Hello, and welcome back to Addicted to Busy. This week, we have no fancy intro or outro because we're just going to hop straight into it. A couple months ago, I had the pleasure of being interviewed on the PMP podcast with RJ Isaac. And RJ is a fellow property manager who definitely understands the ins and outs and various challenges of property management. So all in all, it was a lot of fun to sit down and kind of trade our war stories from the field, so to speak. And I highly encourage that you subscribe to the PMP podcast because RJ puts out content that is relevant specifically to the property management industry. He has some great resources on creating an authentic brand, learning how to leverage videos as a property manager, and improving your digital marketing. RJ has a really fresh take on the current happenings and trends in our industry. So this week, I'm doing a replay of RJ's podcast where he interviewed me. Be sure to check out his channel. I will link everything in the show notes. And until next time, I love y'all. Keep going. Property management is a very stressful occupation. You're always one phone call or one email away from some kind of disaster. And no matter what you do, you're going to be stuck between the property owner and the tenant, and there's nothing you can do to make both parties happy. It is no wonder that so many property managers find that they're stressed and on the brink of burnouts. Fortunately, there is a way around this. And today, I sat down with Anna Haviana. She's a coach that specializes in helping property managers work past these issues and find a good quality work-life balance. And today, she's going to be sharing some of these techniques with you. However, before we get started, if you haven't already, be sure to follow this podcast on all major podcast platforms. We're also on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Following us on any or all these platforms really is helpful to us, and I really greatly appreciate your support. My name's RJ Isaac, and you're watching the PMP Podcast. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for joining me today. I am really excited to be talking to you about this topic of work-life balance and how we can get that for property managers. This is something that I, in particular, have really struggled with, and we'll probably get to that here in a bit. But I really want to know, what is your background? Why why are you focusing on property management as opposed to any other industry? Sure. So I'll give you a little bit of my background story I first hired a coach to help me lose weight for my wedding. And what I thought was going to happen was that they would give me a meal plan, an exercise routine, and that that was going to be it. But instead, what happened was we started having conversations around boundaries about saying no to things and learning how to prioritize my sleep and make sure that I was fueling myself with actual food instead of eating on the run and between all of my property runs. And so that experience was amazing. I got far more than I expected. And after that, I said, you know, I really, really loved this coaching process. I want to invest again. So I invested in a coach who helped me with time management. And what ended up happening is I started showing up to work each day 
And I was seeing my colleagues and other property managers bumping up against the same things that used to be a problem for me that no longer were. And so I come up with this idea that I wanted to bring these principles and practices to our industry because we so badly need it. I think that property management in particular, it's an industry that attracts very driven people, people with a go, go, go type personality, and also a lot of perfectionists and people pleasers. And there are tools and skills that we can learn to kind of overcome those challenges that we have while still doing a great job at our sites and while still making time for our family and friends. So I think I picked property management just because I love this industry and it's it's near and dear to my heart. It's a lot of fun. And I think every year it gets a little bit more challenging to separate work and life, but that there are things we can do to create a boundary between the two. Yeah, I, what, you're, what you're talking about is so familiar to me. I remember, you know, I was working at a company I used to work for where I'd be going to the doing the showings or doing property inspections. And the only time I had for lunch was the short time where I can go and grab something from Taco John's and, you know, be eating it in the car while I'm driving from place to place. And so, and like I said, this is something that really does sound so familiar to me and a lot of people I, I in the industry. So what are some of the big things? So I guess, where do we start from this? Where, how do you start with trying to build up this work-life balance? Sure. I actually want to speak to the comment about taking lunch. What was interesting was when I first piloted my coaching program, I worked with two regional managers. And my focus with my clients is to help them reduce some of their we call them self-sabotaging habits, things that pull away time and energy and get us nowhere. So that's things like over-scrolling, over-eating, over-spending, over-Netflixing. And I remember I, I created this program and I thought that's where I was going to start with these clients. And both of them said the one thing that they wanted more than anything was a lunch break. And that was such a moment where I had to think, gosh, like this industry is so demanding that people are hesitant to shut off for even 20 minutes. <laughs> so I think part of it, you know, a good place to start is even just acknowledging what is it that I need? Because if all you need is 20 minutes and you can't find the way to make that happen, that's definitely a clue that you need to spend a little bit more time considering where you're spending your time, how you're divvying out your time, who is taking it from you and who are you intentionally giving it to? So what do you think are, are the, the, the causes for this? Why is it that, I mean, it, it's, it, it's, there has to be a root cause that makes it so common that people are always, you know, keep going. And it can't just be that there's so much work to do because there are obviously there's, there's solutions for this. So why do people do this? Why do we feel the need to keep going? I think what's interesting about the day in the life of a property manager is that you can show up to work at 8 a.m., and you might think you know what you're going to do that day, but let's be honest, you never actually do know. There have been plenty of times that I've walked into my office and thought, you know, I'm going to finish these reports, get these units turned and ready to go, and then a building will flood or set fire or something of that nature. Or, you know, a tenant could have a mental health crisis. 
And so what I think makes it very, very difficult is that the priorities are shifting on a minute-to-minute basis in some cases. And when that happens, it can be very easy for us to start swimming in our heads with all of the things that need to get done. And then what ends up happening is we might not always take care of the true priorities first. We might just be taking care of whatever came to our door most recently. And when that happens and we're not focusing on the priorities, that's how we end up spending time after hours on the laptop until 9 or 10 p.m. at night. So it comes down to the poor skills in prioritizing what needs to be done. Yeah, and I think along with that, this is a highly customer service and hospitality driven industry. And so oftentimes the lines of what we need to say no to aren't very clear. When we think about priorities and when we think about how oftentimes our properties are rated on satisfact surveys or tenant surveys, those are competing priorities. You know, do I give my time to finishing this report and give all of my attention to it? Or is it more important for me to make sure that we're offering great customer service up front when the tenant walks in the door? So I think what's so challenging are all of these competing priorities that we just tend to swim in. A lot of times, the way that I explain it is that we start working reactively instead of intentionally. So do you have techniques? How do you coach people to overcome these challenges? And how do you coach them on how to balance out these the competing priorities? Sure. I'll give you a little preamble um, first, and then we'll talk about the competing priorities. The first step that we really look at is how and where are you spending all of your time? This is a remarkably stressful industry. And so it's natural that at the end of the day, we're going to want to settle that stress in some way. So the first place that we start is with those self-sabotaging habits that I had mentioned. Now, we don't want to stop scrolling altogether or stop Netflixing altogether, but what we do want to do is make sure that we're consciously choosing how much we're engaging in those habits so that they don't impede on our sleep or our relationship. So that's the first place that we start reclaiming time and energy. And believe it or not, sometimes people go through that part of the program and they're set to go. That is all they needed. The next thing that we do is we start focusing on working intentionally instead of working reactively. And I think one of the greatest skills that property managers in this day and age really need to embody is the capacity to focus on one thing at a time without any distractions. And when I say without any distractions, I mean without email, without your phone, without anything that can ring, ding, or chime at you. And the reason why is because when we can work on things without distraction, we can get them done faster, which technically gives us more time that we can then give to our team and to our tenants. But we also work more efficiently, which reduces the chance that we will make an error or that we will miscommunicate something, which saves us more work in the long run. So. When we talk about managing all of these competing priorities, a lot of times the problem that managers face is that they're not clear with themselves what a priority is and what a priority isn't. So one of the exercises that I do with my clients is I have them make two lists. 
And the first list is basically everything that they do in a week, in a month, in a quarter. Um, that can be anything from your quarterly reports to your marketing reports to walking your site, meeting with tenants, doing resident retention events. And once they make that list, I'll have them go through the list and they'll label it with one of three things. It will either be something that needs their full undivided attention, or it could be something that they can kind of pop in and out of the tasks, like payables. You could be working on payables and perhaps a tenant or an employee comes within a question, comes in to ask a question, and that's totally fine. And then the third one is I can do this task no matter what the interruption. So the first thing that we want to do is start getting people to clarify what do you need in order to complete this task to the best of your ability. And what that does is when you clarify it for yourself on paper, it makes it remarkably more easy to schedule yourself and also to communicate to your team. I need, you know, 30 minutes to focus on this and then I'm all yours. The second part of this exercise, and it's probably the most important one, is we make another list where we itemize all of the potential disruptions that could pull you away from that task. So that could be anything from um, your asset manager called, or you received an email, or a text, or a tenant comes in, and or maybe a tenant comes in and they are very hyped up or they're having a crisis. And so we go through all of the ways that you could get distracted in this task, and we arrange it chronologically. So basically you end up with a list where the top of the list is going to be the things that yes, you 100% want to be pulled out of whatever it is that you're working on. So a building on fire, a building flooding, um, anything that is related to safety of yourself or the property. And then towards the bottom of the list will be everything that is not worth pulling your attention away from this task. Okay. So now we have two lists going. We have the list of things that needs your full undivided attention and then what you are and are not willing <laughs> to be interrupted for. What this does, is it gives you a lot of clarity and it will make it remarkably more easy for you to understand when it's appropriate to say no to somebody. I was someone who for many years was guilty of having the policy of my door is always open and what that resulted in was me doing a lot of interrupted work all throughout the day and then inevitably having to continue to work at night after hours when the office had closed because my highest priority tasks had not been completed i see so with this, is this something that you then share also then with your other teammates and the other people you're working with so that they understand, have a better idea of what you're working on and what is important? That is totally up to you as an individual. Mm -hmm. um, for myself, I definitely do. I think when I close my door to someone, I want them to know what I'm working on, why it's important. And I, a number of reasons. First of all, I think it educates your team on some of the different roles that you have as a manager. But second of all, it adds that added piece of accountability. If I'm going to close my door and have the rest of my team be responsible for the front of house service, 
I want to make sure that I have worked in a way that delivered the result that I needed to get so that I am accountable to them mm-hmm. um, and really, really acting as a team player. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. it's. I've always kind of been of the opinion that trying to have as much transparency and, and openness with your team about where things are so that there's a more, as you mentioned, a mutual responsibility that even Sorry. if you are the person that's a boss, if you share people like, hey, here's the challenges I'm working on, here's the struggles I'm trying to deal with and why I can't handle these things, it allows your teammates to better support you and ultimately get more more stuff done. One of the things that you also, when, when you're talking about this, uh, I, I had the thought of, I wonder if there's an aspect of this where people will also add technology in order okay. to try and help these problems. And sometimes the technology might help and sometimes it doesn't help. Have you had any experience where, especially yes. the, the technology isn't helping when it's supposed to? 100%. So one of the things that I did have itemized for my team was we're inundated with emails. You mm-hmm. get an email for everything. And so eventually I needed to have a conversation with my team that, hey, we have all of these tools available to us. Let's not rely on email so much. And so what that looked like was we started itemizing the different requests that we receive in a property management day. And we started deciding where is that information most appropriately communicated. So I'll give you an example of this. Um, My team would email me anytime payables were done. And Eventually, I decided I don't need these FYI emails in my inbox. So we shifted it to when payables are done, put that in Microsoft Teams, put it in the chat function. Another example was any requests for concessions. That's another thing that really technically doesn't belong in my email, so to speak. So we moved that into a Teams channel as well. And what that did was it started making it easier for me to look at my inbox as a place where our owners and my supervisors would connect with me. And then my leasing team and the assistant manager were primarily in teams. And so Mm -hmm. all of those things that they needed from me that were more quick response answers, now they were all in one place and they were consolidated so I could look at them and bang them out a little bit quicker versus having to sort through the emails to figure out what's in there and find out who is waiting on what. Now, the implementation of this was not flawless. It took Mm -hmm. a lot of feedback, conversations with the team. It took a lot of, hey, this is in the wrong channel. Please put it in the correct one. Mm -hmm. So I will say that one of the challenges with implementing technology into this is that we all have different perceptions of how it should work. You have to be ready to have open conversations with your team about kind of recalibrating every week until you find what works for you. Sure. Yeah. And I think to even add on to that, one of the experiences I've had is where you'll have, you know, Tinder Turner or Shomojo and and Appfolio and all these different pieces of software that are sending out notifications all the time. Like they're, they're, and it's nonstop. And one of the most important things that I've had to do is just go through and say, what are the actual important notifications I want to get in my email box? And it, it pretty much came down to, I'd want to know when there's a new application 
and I'd want to know when there's a lease ready to be countersigned. And pretty much anything else, I can deal with it later. I can go into Appfolio. And again, what specifically someone's going to want is going to depend on what role they have. But for me, that's what it was. Again, if it's like a maintenance tech or a maintenance coordinator might be more interested in work orders. So uh-huh. but shutting off all the notifications that don't affect me and that I, I don't need to know about, again, just helps to create a cleaner inbox to work with and and just creates less of this noise and, and things to get lost and missing pieces. And I'm, I'm actually, okay, this actually brings me to another question. Have you, is it, with your experience with doing the coaching, is there an aspect of, we'll say, cleanliness, whether that be how organized a desk is and how clean a desk is and how clean a workspace is and how efficient someone is able to work and, and these feelings of being over, uh, not having enough time? Or is that just is, is depend on each individual person? Yeah, you know, I don't really deal with the cleanliness of someone's desk, although I do think that having a clean workspace can help you have more space in your mind. One of the things that we really, really talk about in coaching is how our thoughts affect our experience of our day, right? So one of my favorite examples to give is if we look at two different managers, and let's just say it's their first experience as a manager doing quick turns. I always name them Rhonda and Helga after the characters in the old cartoon, Hey Arnold. And so if, if, if Helga's thought about 30 quick turns is, oh my gosh, I have no clue what I'm doing. Something could fall through the cracks. Her experience of that turn day is likely to be very stressful. It's likely to be very frantic and she's likely to be a little bit more reactive. Now, if we flip over to Rhonda and her mindset is more along the lines of, hey, I've never done this before, but I'm going to figure it out. It's probably still going to be a stressful day for Rhonda, but her experience of that whole entire process is likely to be more positive. It's the same exact thing when we talk about email. Some people will see 50 unread emails in their inbox and they will panic about it. But email is property management. Like, it's a, it's just a piece of what we do. And so what we really have to do is take ownership of the thoughts that we're creating around those 50 unread emails and monitor how it affects how we perform in the day. Your emotions exist to get you to take action or inaction. So we need to be very conscious of the feelings that we're generating on any given day because Depending on what you create, you are either going to be super productive or you're going to be super spun out. That's definitely true. There's countless examples I can give of where there'd be a big problem. And this is what I had some people working for me and there'd be a big problem that's to be addressed. And one particular situation, they had to make this really difficult phone call and, and this guy was stressing out about it and he had just this really hard time because it's a mental block like, oh, it's just going to be terrible because a person's going to get mad at me because of this whole thing. And I just said, look, odds are you, the, there's not going to be problems. Like, like just if, if, and if it is, you can deal with it then, but you're getting more stressed about, about the possibility than the actual outcome. So just pick up the phone, give him a call and just do your best. And he did that. And like five minutes later, he's like, yeah, there, there was no problem. They accepted it. There's no issues. <laughs> and, and this is something that's hard to remember. Even I have to remind myself, there's a, a saying from Ralph Waldo Emerson, um, I wanted to put this on my wall in my office, actually, it, which is um, do the thing and you'll have the power. 
And, so, and I would keep telling my, my people, it's like, just do the thing. Okay. Just, just don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Just do the thing. And once you have it done, it's no longer an issue. And, and we get so worried about the possibility. And as you said, like the amount of quick turns that are, or having a hundred emails or 50 emails, whatever the number is, that's, that's overwhelming for people. And it's just, it's, you can look at it and worry about it, but it's just, just do the thing. So, oh, 100%. I think people, people can sometimes get offended when I tell them that I think they can do more at a given day. <laughs> and then they will think, oh my gosh, like I'm so busy, I'm so stressed, and there's no possible way I could fit more tasks into my day. And like, but that's the point. Like, mm-hmm. this busyness and the stress that you have is likely to get you to procrastinate on certain things. And if we can address the busyness, if we can address the stress and get more comfortable with it, you're going to be able to move through those tasks faster and that's when we get the time to quote unquote do more. So what about uh, going more into like the stress management aspect? Before I started doing property management, I was actually working in a video production. And one of the things I liked about video production was that it was very project-based. And so I would start a project and there was a clear, you know, pre-production, production, post-production, final delivery. And I, I there was a start and a finish and I felt like I could actually accomplish something. And one of the challenges I face with property management, even though I love the industry, is that it doesn't feel like there's ever a stop. It feels like I'm put down into a river and there's a water, all this water constantly coming at me. And it's just like, just, just try and push back as much as you can. How do you, have you, do you have techniques or strategies on how to combat that feeling of just never endingness? depending on the school system that you are in most of us go to school fall through spring and then we get a break and we get this mindset like that there should be a clear end to something but in property management all those end dates are overlapping there isn't this magical place where you arrive where everything is done and so i think something that can also really help here is that again part of our job is to be highly responsive we have demands and requests coming at us from so many different places, from our owners, from our supervisors, from the tenants, from the vendors, from your local community as well, right? And we can get into this habit of just doing task after task after task after task after task, and we don't always stop to celebrate the things that we have done. We don't always stop to acknowledge the the projects that we have closed out because we're so focused on everything that hasn't been completed. One of the things that we do in the program, we do a weekly recap every Friday. And the purpose of it is to reflect on A, how you used your time that week. Did you show up in an intentional way? Did you use your time well? So there's that self-reflection piece of it. But what I think the most important part of that worksheet is, is you recap the top three accomplishments that you got done because we don't want them to go unrecognized. And another reason why this is so important is because sometimes you do have a week where there is a disaster at your site and it is easy to hit the end of the week thinking I got nothing done. But then when you itemize those three things, what you start to see is, holy cow, even in the midst of a disaster, I was able to accomplish these three things. And what it does is then you close your week with a sense of accomplishment, which allows you to enjoy your weekend, 
when you enjoy your weekend, you tend to be a little bit more restful. And when you're more restful, you show up on Monday ready to get after it again. But if we don't take that minute to stop and recognize what we have completed, it is far too easy to walk out of the office on Friday thinking, oh my gosh, I'm behind. I didn't get this done. I didn't get that done. I'm going to have to do this on Monday. And the simple act of reflecting on what we did do can be enough to shake that mindset and give us a reset button. Okay. So for what about the people who have after hours calls? So I made an on call and so they have to, even on the weekend, they finally leave work. It's still, um, I match is especially truer for smaller offices where yes. they still need to be on call. And so they never actually get that break. Is there any way that those people who are struggling with in those situations are able to get some 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 relief from there? Mm -hmm. I think this question is twofold. First of all, if a break is something that you truly need, mm -hmm. it may come down to having a very direct conversation with your supervisor. You have to be able to advocate for your needs. You have to be able to identify what those are, but you cannot expect that someone's going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. If you do not ask, you will not receive. So I think, first of all, I have been at sites where I've been on call 24-7, 365 days a year. I get it. If you need a break, you need to be able to ask for it. Now, on the flip side, there are individuals who they don't have the capacity to be on call 24-7. And there's nothing wrong with that. We are all different individuals with different capacities, skill sets, and desires. So I would say the other piece of this is that if you are working at a place that requires this of you and it's not working for you, then you need to have an honest conversation with yourself about either, is this the right company for me or is this the right position for me? Where I think we get into trouble is when we feel overwhelmed or when we feel like we don't have the rest that we need, it is far too easy to point our finger at the properties or our companies and blame them. When in reality, this is an inside job. You have to identify what it is that you need, and then you have to be responsible for making it happen. I really appreciate that. I see a lot of people, they'll blame their circumstances, blame other person, other people. And what I found in myself is that the more I can focus on how I address things, how I take control of the situation and my own responsibility in whatever it is. And actually, I've been in that situation where, so I have three boys, but two of my boys are autistic. And there's a one point where I got an after hours call for maintenance while my one of my sons was just having a, this a terrible, terrible meltdown. Just It was a horrific situation. And at that point, I realized that I cannot be doing these after hours calls anymore. It's just, it's not something I can do. And I was able to, to, in this case, I was able to talk to the manager and, and get it so that way I didn't have to do those anymore. But even after that, I had some opportunities where I could make some advancements and I had to turn down, turn down those opportunities because I had to realize here's, this is where my, what I can do and what I can't do. And, and again, being honest with myself, which you mentioned before about being honest with yourself about what the, what your limitations are and what your, your challenges are. I can definitely speak to that. That is extremely true. What about the the health aspects? You, you mentioned in the very beginning of this, you're talking about the health aspects that tour kind of started. And I know you mentioned this before about it's not just about the mind and mentality, but it's also seems to be a lot about being healthy as well. Um, how well, does this I, impact things? This is why I'm super passionate about what it is that I'm trying to show people. Um, 
2012 to 2015 for me was an, a very, very difficult time. And if you would have looked back on my career at that point, it, it probably didn't seem that way. I was starting to stand out in our industry. I was winning awards. I was volunteering on multiple um, property management associations. But the reality was, was behind the scenes, I was not sleeping. I was eating very, very poorly. And because I was not fed well and because I was not restful, I was also very short-tempered with friends and family. I also was not getting enough connection with friends and family, which then added to just kind of this really, really sick, sick, sick cycle of feeling like I was doing so much all the time and yet not feeling fulfilled. And so the other part that I would say about this is that I do believe that property management pays well. And I think if you do a good job and you're an ethical person and if you stay well networked that you can get paid what you are worth. And so what was so astounding to me as I look back on those years is when I look at how much money I was making, but then also evaluating how I chose to fuel myself. I was fuel fueling myself with the worst possible food, Taco Bell at least. <laughs> twice a week because it was across the street from my property, right? And so I finally just had to hit this point, like, why am I doing this to myself? And I made the decision to invest in a couple things. I ended up investing in someone to clean my home for me every three weeks, which ended up only being like, I think, 80 or 90 bucks at the time. Price has probably changed since then. And then I invested in a meal prep service. So what ended up happening was any time that the first of the month rolled around, I was at a quick turn site. So I pretty much know for a fact from the 30th of the month to the second of the following month, those four days, I'm likely pulling, you know, nine to 11 hour days, probably depending on if it's like June 30th. <laughs> I have already surrendered to be there. And so I just decided, right, that week I'm going to order in a healthy meal prep service so I don't have to cook a single meal for myself, but I can fuel myself very, very well. And it ended up being no more or less expensive than going to get takeout. And not only that, I saved time because I wasn't running out to Panera. I wasn't running out to Taco Bell to go pick it up. These meals were delivered to my door. I took them to work with me. So I was fueled better. I was sleeping better and I was saving time, which was actually getting me out of the office earlier. So there are so many things that we can do in property management to ensure that we're taking care of our health. But what is tricky is, again, with the constant barrage of demands that come at us, I think property managers are more than likely to put themselves on the back burner. And there's this false assumption that if they put themselves first, that it will come at the expense of their properties, that it will come at the expense of their family and friends. And that's not true. When you take amazing care of yourself, you actually can show up and be more present. You are less likely to be irritable and you have a, a bigger capacity to be in the moment, which you need on a quick turn day. <laughs> There's a lot of decisions coming at you pretty quickly. So you need to have that mental energy and stamina in order to perform at your best. Oh, definitely. And this is, I, I mentioned before about Taco John's, it's a very same, same situation. 
I was doing single family houses. So our office was, um, again, like a block away from the Taco John's and a Burger King on opposite and all corners. The potato lays. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, ah, oh, man, which one do I go for? Burger King or Taco John's today? And yeah, man, I look back and he's like, wow, I had way too much that, that garbage. Um, hey. but it was, it was 2020. Um, again, 2020 was a crazy, crazy year, but that's actually when I started like for the first time in my life, actually starting going to the gym and, and, and actually the reason why I started doing it was the, the local gym had a daycare there. And so I was able to go and take my kids, bring them to this little daycare. And it's like a a dollar 50 for two hours or something like that. Like just a, a a really good deal. It's absolute steal, absolute steal. And so like, great. I get to put my, my wife gets a break. I get a break. I might as well go work out. And the amount of difference that working out, like I, cause I never had the experience before. And, it, and I was actually talking to my, my boss at the time who he's, he's, he was very, in very good shape. He, he definitely, I mean, he's working out quite a lot, but and it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I've been working out and it just feels so much better. I feel so much more alert. This has been really good. And it's like, yeah, like it's, it's, everybody's going to tell you that. Like, it's like, I know, but like, okay, yeah, you're right. I should have known this. I know everybody's been telling me this, but now I've actually see it for myself. And hundred percent. Uh, yeah. Again, 2020, I was incredibly busy. It was the busiest year of, of, mm-hmm. of my career. Plus, again, with all the other stuff that was going on with the lockdowns and COVID, all that, the, the issues that were going on for my family was just, I just added stress. It was, I felt like I was being pulled apart in all these different directions, but being able to take two hours and go to the gym each day and just have like this, this, it, the basically do the exercise, get the blood flowing, do all that but also be able to just separate and not have to I, I have this bit of separate, yeah, like I said, se- separation from these things. And yeah, I'd be, I'd be leaving there really late at night, but it was still, it, it the difference it made was so amazing to me that I think this is something that so many people really need to take seriously, that you can't just separate the, your mental, how you approach things, the, the, your, your distress levels and all these things without also addressing the health levels. And Again, it is two-sided. There's the eating side and the the exercise part. So yeah, everybody who's listening to this podcast, I'm saying if if you're a property manager, you really need to be working out or or, uh, dieting, doing stuff, take care about your health because it really does make a big difference. Yeah, I always tell the story. I remember I had this epiphany. I was at this site and we had so many capital projects going on that summer. We were re-roofing reciting and re-landscaping 36 different buildings at the same time if i'm not mistaken i think it was the same summer that the city was coming and replacing the water main we didn't have roads yeah we didn't have roads to (laughs) get some of the machinery in. it was a lot of fun and um i remember i just felt constantly behind and constantly behind and it was another night on a beautiful summer day where it was 7 p.m. and I was still in the office by myself. And it just dawned on me, Anna, you're never gonna get caught up. Like that day just isn't coming. So you might as well just go for a run. And so what I started doing was I would just bring my running shoes with me to the office. And I would tell myself, you know, you're only allowed to work after hours if you have run for 20 minutes. And so I made it super simple and I made it just kind of like an agreement with myself, if you will. And what ended up happening was in that 20 minutes, I got a lot of mental clarity. 
I got to listen to some amazing music and just change my state for a minute. So when I was returning to the computer to log back on to work, it was much more clear in my mind what actually needed to get done. And I stopped staying late taking care of non-emergency tasks, so to speak. Now, the flip side of that, too, is that I was coming home tired, which meant that it was more difficult for me to stay up late at night watching Netflix, which means I was actually going to bed and falling asleep around 10, 1030, which hadn't been happening for years. So on top of that, I was getting eight hours of sleep <laughs> and I was showing up to work actually energized and that I hadn't felt that in years. And so all of a sudden, it became a non-negotiable to exercise because there were so many good payoffs that I would never want to go back to doing it any other way. And it was kind of the same thing with with the way that we fuel ourselves. Like, I can tell the difference between how I used to feel versus how I feel now and how that impacts how I show up to the office every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious, what are, what are your thoughts about trying to, you know, drink a lot of like coffee and energy drinks throughout the day? How do you think that affects when someone's performance and being able to work well? You know, I, I am not an energy drink person. I do have coffee in the morning. I don't have an opinion on it one way or another, just because I think all of our bodies are different and all of our needs are different as well. I just know for myself personally, if I'm hitting a point where I need energy drinks at the end of the night in order to get through something, there is likely a conversation that I need to be having with a supervisor or a teammate as to why that is happening. I want to get clear that this industry does require us to work longer days from time to time, but we want to look at it more as an, as an ebb and flow where if you have been working extra hours that you do feel that you have the know-how and the room to work a few days that are lighter as well. But the second that I'm having to use a substance in order to get me through the bare minimum of my job description, that's not worth it. I, I did work at a company that I will not name, but it was very evident within about two months of working there that they work their employees to the bone and that they had absolutely no intentions of changing that. And so I, I have been through the experience of waking up every day in tears. <laughs> and, and and I feel sorry for people who stay stuck in those situations because oftentimes we're offered more money in order to compensate for the time that we're putting in. But overall, I think that you have to have an appreciation for yourself, for your body, for your relationships. And the second that a job starts to affect that, you've got to have some real conversations either with yourself or your supervisor. Yes, that, that it's very true. And far too often, I think people feel that they're stuck and and they don't have options to be able to, you know, find another employer. This is where also I really discourage anyone from signing non-competes. So okay. if an employer ever asks you to sign a non-complete, that takes away your ability to be able to move away from a toxic employer. So find a way around it. And it's, 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 I know sometimes people feel like they really have no choice. They need a job so badly that they're willing to sign that. But it's it, I've heard way more stories about it just being a disaster after the fact. And so that that's one big warning. And then also, you mentioned before, you also you were involved with a lot of these property management associations. And I think this is really good to be involved with these. 
So that way you have a network. So that way oh, okay. when you start running into a situation where like, hey, my workplace is becoming toxic. They, they're expecting more of me. I'm not getting compensated. Wh whatever issues may be. Again, you know, look, there's work is work. You got to do your job. So, I mean, I'm not saying, oh, if someone's asking you to actually just do your job to, to complain about it. But if it's if it's becoming too much, if you are part of this association and part of this network of people, now you can go and start talking to other people and maybe find some replace another company that's willing to take you on and actually value you and value the work you do. And so that's also probably something that I would recommend that most people are part oh, of. Yeah, I, I will tell you this. So I remember I was involved with the Institute of Real Estate Management and they have an amazing certification called Certified Property Manager. And I highly recommend anybody who is a property manager takes the time to do it. It is intensive, but it was well worth the investment of both my time and my money. But I was involved in IRAM and I remember at one point I was working for a company that was based out of Chicago and I lived in the Twin Cities and they only had that one property in the Twin Cities. So there was no upward mobility for me unless I wanted to move to Chicago, which my husband did not. And I hit this point where I was like, okay, I clearly need to change my employer, not because I'm unhappy with where I am, but because this isn't going to be able to go anywhere. And I thought to myself, you know, what if I tried commercial management? And what I found as I started putting my resume out there was that commercial managers were not interested in residential property managers. And I was even told to my face <laughs> that people were not going to want to hire me because I didn't have the quote unquote correct experience. And eventually I reached out to the network that I had created at IRAM. And the second that I did it, word started spreading that I was looking and all of a sudden I had I think maybe three or four different commercial companies who were willing to interview me and I couldn't even get an interview. Um, yeah. So it, and it was amazing because, because of my involvement in IROM, people who I didn't directly work with had an opportunity to see how I showed up. They had an opportunity to see how I would volunteer my time, how I work as a teammate and what my organization style is. So it's almost like I had been interviewing for three years without even knowing it, so to speak. So I do want to give the caveat that I have run the, the road of being too involved in organizations. So I highly encourage that everybody makes sure that from a personal standpoint, you are networking outside of your company but that you also have a gauge on how much time you're willing to volunteer and that you keep your primary nine to five job, your top priority. And that's just a, a delicate balancing act that you learn through a lot of trial and error. And, and something else to, I, I want to point out with that is when people ask you, are you willing to, can, can you help me out with this thing, whatever the thing may be? And if you say, first of all, if you say yes, and then you don't do a good job at it, or you then have to back out later. Now you're being coming off as someone that is not reliable and that's not it's able like to to keep their word. If you say no, and you don't even really have to say a reason, but you say, say no, I, I really can't do it. Sorry. Maybe next time I, I really want to, but again, just keep it short and simple. Don't give too much detail. You're not coming off as someone that's not unreliable. 
if anything, you're just coming off as someone who's at least able to understand their limits and has other things going on that you're not so desperate to just go and do a bunch of random things that you, you have your own, that you, that you are busy and busy isn't necessarily bad. And so saying no, and when it's, what's a legitimate no is way better than saying yes. And then ever then backpedaling <laughs> or not having enough time or, or not doing good of job. And so, yeah, people really need to learn how to say no. You're not disappointing people. You're, you're sticking up for yourself is what you're doing. Yeah, I'm really thankful that I had the opportunity to volunteer on these organizations because that was where I actually got to practice setting boundaries. I was much more comfortable setting boundaries with those organizations because I wasn't being paid to do it and it was a volunteer task. So the skills that I learned as far as setting boundaries and learning how to say no, I kind of tested them out in those organizations before I started doing it in my full-time job. I'll never forget, I was on the social committee for the Institute of Real Estate Management, and I was definitely the yes person, always picking up every task that needed to get done. I remember we were talking about a sponsorship for a golf cart at our annual golf event, and there was a conversation around who would decorate the cart. And I remember I said, I can't do it. And simultaneously, three heads turned and looked at me. <laughs> and, and it was one of those moments where I realized, oh my gosh, Anna, like it's noticeable when you say no, because you never say it. Uh -huh. um, and so again, that was where I kind of cut my teeth, if you will, as far as creating better work-life balance. But I'm thankful for that experience and what it did for me as far as when it came time to wanting to try something new, the time that I invested in those organizations made it remarkably easier to find a new opportunity. Great. That's fantastic. So I want to hear more about, again, this is having really valuable information you've shared. And I understand you have a podcast and of course you're doing the coaching as well. Can you tell me more about that? And, and if, when people want to get involved with that, what that all looks like? Yeah, sure. So I connect with people in three different ways. I have a podcast called Addicted to Busy, and you can find that on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And every week I put out an episode, usually themed around a topic or a, kind of a common mindset block that I see many property managers facing. Um, and then the other thing that I do is public speaking. So usually once or twice a month, I am speaking at an IRAM, BOMA, or IFMA event. I have worked with various residential apartment associations as well. And so I present to large groups of people and I love doing it. I love, I love conferences. I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. I love knowing what's new in the industry, but we really get to kind of miss out on the personal aspect and follow through on that. So I have a coaching program as well and people can enroll and do it as a group if they want, or if they want to do it one-on-one, -on -one, I do have a high touch one-on-one -on -one program. And essentially what we're doing is we're walking through four steps. The first one is thought work where we learn how to analyze our mindset. We do a lot of journaling, a lot of reflection, and we just get into the habit of being honest with ourselves. Second thing we do, we start working on all of those self-sabotaging habits and we learn how to evaluate them. We learn how to process maybe some of the discomfort that comes up with trying to reduce those habits. 
You can laugh. It's fine. <laughs> For those who are listening, my microphone fell down, so it's it's just a technology <laughs> issue here. But you can go on. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Oh, no, you're totally fine. <laughs> Once we get some more time and energy back for reducing those self-sabotaging habits, that's where we go into working intentionally over working reactively. One of the things that I am really, really passionate about teaching people is how to focus on one thing at a time and set boundaries with your time so you can get more done in your workday. And then the last step are all those little finer details that you need in order to make it happen. Things like learning how to say no, learning how to follow through who you say no, and really shedding that people-pleasing perfectionist vibe as well. Awesome. Awesome. And do you, I'm curious, do you, do you have any programs for like if a whole office wanted to have you come in and provide some help for a whole office or something like that? Do you have anything like that? Uh, I don't. And I okay. here's the thing. I, I did do a trial on that. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that people need to be invested in wanting to change. I see. So when it's assigned by an, an employer, most people aren't as into the course materials. So right sure. now, I really focus on the people who see these people-pleasing tendencies in themselves, see the perfectionism showing up, and they are personally invested in getting a hold of those habits and making change. What I will do, though, is some of the public speaking events where we're talking about one concept in particular that I will definitely do for an organization or a property management company. Okay. All right. Awesome. That sounds really good. And I have to say, I've not listened to your podcast yet. And then probably because I'm just too busy and now that I've <laughs> learned some of these strategies, I will find some time. And I think that it will be very helpful for me and, and my listeners as well. So um, I would Really want to thank you, Anna, so much for coming in and speaking with me about this. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, and and just so for people who are listening, where can they actually find you? So my handle on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram is Addicted to Busy. If you want to visit my website, it's AnnaHabliana.com. That is A double N A J A V is in Victor E double L A N A dot com. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. And I want to thank everybody for joining us again for the PMP podcast. My name is RJ. Have a great day. 